Good Monday morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad to be back with you. Hope you had a great weekend. I definitely had a great weekend, and we'll share a little bit more about that coming up a little later on. Of course, the news does not stop as we have all kinds of developments. One of the things that we will delve into during the course of the broadcast, I warned you some days ago that we have politicians that just do not stop. For years, they've been working on comprehensive immigration reform. Now, what you want, what I want, is enforcement at our border. What they want is more people coming to the United States of America for myriad reasons and not good ones. They've been working this, working this, working this, and each time they have been stopped by the people. Now it looks like the people's house may be the place where this stops, and I'm so thrilled by the leadership that has emerged on this in the House, and yes, even in the Senate. One of my favorite people is speaking out. We will talk about this coming up in just a few minutes. The ongoing controversy about Ivy League schools and the anti-Semitism on campus, it's really absolutely awesome. But on top of this, the recognition of these DEI programs and their, what I believe, anti-American agendas. Some people have had enough. You're going to hear about another person who has had enough. And I am just gratified by this. I, I think if there's one theme that you will hear about in the beginning of this broadcast today are people who are standing up because it's time. It, it always has been time for people to stand up for what's right. But it's awesome to see people popping up in places where they need to pop up, whether they're in business, in politics, in the private sector. It's absolutely awesome. Not very spectacular news. The South Carolina presidential primary, real shocker there. I think you know who won that on the Democrat side. And the big bet that Nikki Haley is placing on her political future on the state of South Carolina. Is it going to pay off? Uh, based on the people we hear calling into this broadcast, this woman's political career is on life support. But we will talk about this a little bit later on. A member of the squad, have you heard about this? A member of the squad who is basically been paying her boyfriend for security a whole lot of money we have a commentary from uh, one of my favorite commentators on social media it's really uh, a good item that's coming up a little bit later on not all of the news good over the weekend we lost Carl Weathers Carl Weathers, he was only 76 years old. We'll talk a little bit about his contributions over the years. One of the things, I mentioned the squad. It's really sobering to see what's happening in, even in our government. We have anti-American people in our government. Not just working in the rank and file, but in Congress. Well, we have a little bit more insight on this, a really powerful commentary. I think this appeared in the Wall Street Journal. And man, it really packs a punch. We'll share that with you coming up a little bit later on. And as promised, I'll tell you a little bit about my very uh, enjoyable weekend. Uh, it's one that I highly recommend. <laughs> but let's begin with something that I've been calling for, what have I been calling for for the past few weeks? I've said it's time for the states 
to stand up and to be counted on this issue of our border. If the federal government's not going to do its job, it's time for the states to take this and say, we are going to take control of this issue and dare you, as in the federal government, to stop us. Daily Caller has this story, your obligation, your duty. 14 GOP governors gathered to support Texas' right to protect its borders. Then I commend these governors. They had a Sunday media briefing in Eagle Pass. During that gathering, Greg Abbott urged the president to take action on the border, which he's not going to do. But Greg Abbott has certainly intensified his clash with the Biden administration over runaway immigration issues, demanding immediate action to stem the flow of illegal migrants across the southern border. Here is just a bit of this news conference from Greg Abbott speaking at Eagle Pass. Joe Biden has completely abdicated and abandoned his responsibility to enforce the laws of the United States. I have used a clause in the Constitution that empowers states to defend themselves. It's Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the United States Constitution, where a state can defend itself and its citizens to protect their safety from the imminent danger that we are facing and from an invasion of millions of people coming from across the globe into our country who are unaccountable whatsoever. And I applaud and thank the, the members of the governors who are with us here today. You heard there, Abbott's does not hesitate to invoke constitutional rights in defense of his actions, while also accusing Biden of facilitating unauthorized entry into the country. Sentiment echoed by Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who criticized the federal government's inaction, which compels states to take matters into their own hands. Sanders saying because of his failures, Governor Abbott is having to step up governors from across the country are having to step up and do the job the federal government because they simply won't. Just so you know who these people are, because they deserve attention. Those governors present. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Idaho Governor Brad Little, Indiana, Eric Holcomb, Iowa, Kim Reynolds, Louisiana, Jeff Landry, Tate Reeves out of Mississippi, Mike Parson out of Missouri, Greg Gianforte out of Montana, Joe Pillen out of Nebraska, Chris Sununu out of New Hampshire, Bill Lee from Tennessee, and Spencer Cox from Tennessee. I notice who is not there on that list. South Carolina's governor, which I don't expect. I don't have a lot of confidence in him. And who knows, maybe for scheduling reasons, he was not able to make it. But uh, you know what leadership looks like, and you also know what it doesn't look like. So, coming up, also on the border issue, we've got a war that's developing between the House and the Senate. I think you know which side that I'm definitely leaning toward. We'll talk about what's happening with new legislation. Little's amusing social media. This from Jeff, who's written in, I'm a little surprised that Foghorn Leghorn did not make the trip. I'm talking about the old Judah Day McMaster. I'm really surprised Glenn Youngkin did not make the trip. That surprises me as well. Not at all surprised DeWine stayed behind. Yeah, DeWine. <laughs> this is a time where we need courage. Where people are not concerned about consensus, consensus among their buddies. Because that's what's happening in the Senate right now. You've got these old 
You know, it's kind of interesting. I was making reference maybe last week or two weeks ago to the skit, this old mad TV skit making fun of the women from The View as a bunch of old hens. What do we call these old guys in the Senate? We've got to come up with something for that. Nonetheless, let's begin with the good news. The man in the house. Now, I don't have high expectations for this man, but if he can just stop the insanity of the statist Republicans, he's fulfilling a good part of his purpose. I'm talking about Speaker Johnson slamming the Senate's bipartisan border deal hours after the upper chamber released text of the long-awaited agreement, writing that it's even worse than we expected and declaring it's dead on arrival in the House. He said, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president's created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under this legislation, the border never closes. That's what Johnson wrote on X. If this bill reaches the House, it will be dead on arrival. Scathing statement from Johnson jives with comments he made in the lead-up to the Senate releasing the text of its deal. He previously said if the contents of the legislation were similar to what reports it speculated, it would be dead on arrival in the House. Shortly after Johnson's statement... House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who oversees the schedule in the lower chamber, said the Senate bill will not receive a vote in the House. Good for them. By the way, you should know what's in it. And I think even these numbers alone ought to tell you why it should not be supported. $118 billion. Let me just tell you something. It doesn't take $118 billion. to do what they claim this is going to do. But let me tell you where a good part of this money goes. $60 billion for Ukraine. $60 billion. $14.1 billion for Israel. Aid for Indo-Pacific allies. And, of course, the bipartisan border security agreement, which is not worth the paper it's written on. I would trust Bozo the Clown before I'd trust these morons who put this thing together. The border security component, isn't this interesting? It totals $20 billion. So we're going to send $60 billion to Ukraine, $14.1 billion for Israel. And then we're going to try to do border security on the cheap. Twenty. See, I like to know what they're going to spend this $20, $20 billion on. It would give the federal government temporary authority to expel migrants when the average number of daily crossings exceeds a threshold in catch and release, raise standards for asylum screenings, and seek to process claims quicker. You know what? This is all BS. Because this is what our federal government should be doing in the first place. They don't need additional authority to expel migrants. Tell me. Where do you need additional authority to do your freaking job? Where? Johnson's announcement deals a major blow to the trio of senator negotiators who for months worked hard towards striking a deal on the politically prickly matter of border security. Republicans insisted any aid for Ukraine be paired with legislation to address the southern border. See, this is the other part of it. This, any politician who trusts Mr. Magoo to enforce the border in the first place really doesn't have much going on upstairs. He's not going to do it. And why should we give this man all this money for foreign aid so he can continue to defy his constitutional responsibility? This is just ridiculous. 
Senator James Langford of Oklahoma, the lead GOP negotiator for the border deal, responded to Johnson's decision almost immediately, saying he was confused how the bill could be worse than they expected. I'm a little confused how it's worse than they expected when it builds border wall, expands deportation flights, expands ICE officers, border patrol officers, detention beds, how it creates a faster process for deportations, clears up a lot of the long-term issues and loopholes that have existed in the asylum law, then gets us an emergency authority that stops the chaos right now on the border. I'm a little confused. I'll have to be able to get with the speaker's team on that and be able to find out what part would be worse than what we'd expected based on the actual text, hopefully. They've all had an opportunity to actually read it through the text. See, I don't care. I don't care what this says on paper. Because if you're not inclined to protect our country, enforce the border in the first place, I don't trust a piece of paper. You don't even care about the freaking Constitution that you've sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States. You cannot do that. You cannot swear that. And have what we have now at the border. And I don't trust any man who signs any document. And says, oh, this will take care of it. No, it won't take care of it. First, you got to get the buffoon out of the White House. And then you have to have somebody in who's actually going to just do the job. If it requires money, I want to see the will. I want to see the will first before there's any conversation about any additional money. Because if you don't have the will, no amount of money will fix this. This piece of crap 370-page bill. Does it really take 370 pages to do your job? Of course it doesn't. But it's a great deal of busy work. For these senatorial morons who are just bound and determined to do the same garbage over and over again to take a leak on the American people and can try to convince us it's raining. No, no, and no. Let's just hope and pray that Mike Johnson continues to have the courage to stand up to this. Because that is what is needed right now. Coming up, you want to talk about courage? Another man who is stepping up to the plate to say enough is enough. He says it's time for new leadership in the Senate. I've said that for a long time. I think I mentioned to you uh, a few days ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine in Congress, and, and we were just talking about our, really our frustration with where we are. And uh, because we're really kind of like voices in the wilderness. It's like there's a, a, these whole movements going on that are not really movements that we're a part of on things that are at the core of what really needs to be fixed. And so we're just kind of expressing the viewpoints that we can and try to challenge and encourage where we can. And I I just, you know, I want you to think about this, for one, to be praying for the solid members of the House and Senate going to work every single day and dealing with these morons who are in charge, who make up the majority, unfortunately. I mean, it's bad enough that you're outnumbered and you're in the minority, as in the Republican Party in the Senate. It's worse when you essentially have people, most of which are part of the Surrender Caucus. One exception to this is a person I've gotten to know and really appreciate. He's really one of the most brilliant minds on the Constitution. I'm referring to Mike Lee. Breitbart has a story on him. 
saying the Senate GOP needs new leadership now. He calls this border bill a disqualifying betrayal. That's exactly what it is. Secrecy, lies, and broken promises by Senate Republican leadership, resulting in a historical pro-migration border surrender, are irredeemable. Boy, Mike Lee really has the language, doesn't he? He's calling for minority leader Mitch McConnell to be replaced. It's not going to happen. Mitch McConnell is there because he represents the statist big government Republicans. And that's the majority of the Republican presence in the House and the Senate. Mike Lee posted on X, even while refusing to let us see the bill they claimed to be negotiating on our behalf for months, they were never in doubt, insisting we'd be dumb and even unpatriotic not to support it. Outlining a leadership playbook employed by McConnell time and time again for years. See, I told you that this is not new at all. He calls this a disqualifying betrayal McConnell gave the unfortunate task of serving as the face of Republican negotiations to Senator James Lankford. But as Majority Leader Chuck Schumer made clear, McConnell called the shots for Republicans. I've never worked more closely with Leader McConnell on any piece of legislation as we did on this. Schumer's revelation is surprising, given the two have worked in lockstep often throughout their time leading their respective conferences, most recently on budget-busting spending bills and American taxpayers' subsidization of Ukraine's war efforts. While not mentioning McConnell by name, Lee seemed to question McConnell's loyalty, suggesting he was not working for his own Republican conference. Well, he's not. Lee asked rhetorically, if you had a lawyer, agent, or employee who, while negotiating on your behalf, botched the deal as badly as Senate GOP leadership botched this border supplemental aid package, would you immediately fire that person? This is worse than bad negotiation. It's betrayal. And he's right. During the months-long negotiations, Langford and McConnell allies pushed back forcefully on criticisms of leaked and rumored provisions of the draft deal. Senator Mike Rounds went as far as claiming Russian disinformation was behind the rumors. See, these people really think you are stupid. No, this is not about Russian anything. We're not worried about Russia. We're worried about you. In fact, I might even trust Russia before I trust you. I know who they are. You people are the ones who lie to us and tell us all kinds of garbage. You run these campaign ads about protecting the border and doing all these other things and conservative values, and you don't believe a single one of them. Your votes tell me that. I suspect a lot of the internet rumors are very well coming from overseas where they would love to see this shut down because some people would rather not see funding for Ukraine. So you know, This is the other thing. Why are these people so invested? And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily against funding for Ukraine. But why is this so important? Why is this on the same level of enforcing our border? Why don't these centered? Let me, why don't you, let me give you this one. Why don't all the Republican members of the House and Senate, you, do you remember the time years ago, I, I remember how disgusted I was, after Bill Clinton was impeached, every single Democrat, do you remember this? Every single Democrat stood as a show of unity for Bill Clinton and his philandering. They stood up for him. For this reprobate. And you can't even get these Republicans to all come together and say to this White House, we are not giving you any more legislation. Get your ass down to the border and get the job done. We're not giving you any more money. You either do it or else. We're not passing any legislation. We're not working any deals. Do your freaking job. 
Or frankly, we're going to start leading a rebellion of the states in this country against your leadership. And you will not dare cross us. I know my language sounds rather militant today, but you know what? These folks are traitors. They are. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this bill. It's just a joke. Because the idea behind this, let me ask you. Let me just ask you this very quick question. How many illegal immigrants is it acceptable to allow across our border per day? What's the acceptable number? I think I know what your number is. I know what my number is. We're going to tell you about one of these provisions as we continue our Monday broadcast. John writes in, appropriately so. Good morning, Vince. Could you please touch on the Convention of States? I've heard a little about it. Sounds like something that really needs to be done for our country. Yes, it does. I have been efforting getting somebody on about this for a while. And I need to double down on that because to me, I'm just going to be very straightforward with you. I don't have confidence that electing this president or that senator or this member of Congress or even a bunch of them is going to get the job done anymore. It's just not going to happen. I think we're spinning our wheels, playing around with just nonsense and wasting a whole lot of money with these campaigns when this has to go back to the states. And, and for those, and this is my understanding of Convention of States, the idea behind it is... The states come together, and I think this need, this has to be done while Republicans hold majorities. I mean, this ought to be very obvious. We're in a, a position of strength right now with states. I don't remember how many st- states have Republican control right now, but that's really when you have to do it. you got to strike while the fire is hot. And basically... What happens is you have a convention, you come together, and the states make decisions about what needs to be done in the future. And if if there is consensus, as I believe there can be on some of these important issues like the border, we can get some of these done, I mean, like a balanced budget. See, that these, these things are only going to be imposed by the states. We've already had these politicians. We've watched them gaming the system for years. They're going to continue playing their games. They're going to run the campaign ads. They're going to continue telling you how conservative they are, and they're full of crap. Just crap. I was going to tell you a little bit more about this legislation the Senate's worked out. Here they are trying to accuse the people opposing this as giving in to Russian misinformation. So get a load of this. Langford had previously assured Americans their bill would not permit 5,000 migrants or more per day, attributing those claims as Internet rumors. It would be absolutely absurd for me to agree to 5,000 people a day, he said. His last assertion might be true. But the bill's text confirms the new emergency authority would not be triggered until an astonishing 8,500 migrants cross the border in a single day, or an average of 5,000 people cross in seven days. A trigger even higher than Langford's threshold for absurdity. So he lied to your face. What a lying bastard. Lee took to X to highlight objectionable provisions to the bill. Making clear Langford and his leadership puppet masters were playing a game of hide the ball. Still a lot of ground to cover in this 370-page bill, but so far, I haven't seen anything contradicting what I've been saying for the past few weeks, Mike Lee said. 
So why do the bill's authors and those parroting their talking points condemn me and others for describing what little I knew about the bill? More to the point, why did they keep it secret for so long? See, if you're doing what's right for the American people, you don't have to hide things. And play these games. Well, we show you what it looks like later. I mean, why don't we just bring Nancy Pelosi out to speak for you so you can say, we got to pass the bill so we can find out what's in it. Lee made it clear he wants new leadership of the Senate Republican Conference. And after the groundswell of anger and backlash from the border betrayal, others are bound to join him. Senate GOP leadership screwed this up and screwed us. That's the clincher. And he is absolutely positively right. This is what they do best. They screw us left and right. And they try to convince us we are here to serve you. Yes, of course you are. After all of these betrayals, never, ever, ever again will you be trusted. That needs to be made very clear. You don't get another chance. You don't get another shot where we're going to come. Oh, we'll give you another try. No, all the all the opportunities to prove yourself. They have expired. They have expired. Let us see, in the time we have here, go out to a call here. Where shall we begin? I want to consider the time that we have here. Let's go out to Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Vince. Um, good, you know, good to talk to you as always. Um, what want to start out just pray, prayers for California because what they're going through right now with that weather is, is, ter- is terrible. But um, my point, um, you're... I tried, I tried to call last week and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get on, couldn't get through, but you're on, you're on fire. You're spot on right now. You're, you're on fire. And I just want, I just wanted to add, you know, a few things to that, to that right now. What you're seeing in our country right now is you're seeing hypocrisy at its fullest in plain view, you know, for, for, for everybody to see right now. Let me, let me start, make a couple quick points and I'll, and I'll get off. Let me start with Mr. Magoo first, first, first of all, you know, you know, this president, shouldn't even shouldn't even be the president he, he he can't he doesn't even know what's going on mentally not there and has no clue what do we do in this country to our to our family members and friends uh, when they get to that point you know we put them in homes the state takes their driver's license because they can't drive them. we put them in homes because they're because they're sick and do all that but yep. we're let, we're letting one we're letting one run the run the country so we might as well we might as well take all of our relatives out there even though my grandma kept leaving her stove on and was going to burn her house down, I, sh- I should just send my grandma back to her house to be on her own and, and control people because, because that's what we're doing with this president. So, so that we, we, might, we, might, we might as well do that. That's what we do to people, but it, not when you have money or when you're in politics. The, the other one on, on the flip side, you know, with, with Donald Trump, you know, mo- most people who are vengeful people are always retaliating. You know, we stay away from those kind of people. We don't want to be around near those kind of people, but in his case, I hear all this talk right now about people don't want to see a Biden-Trump rematch. You could have me fooled right now because those are the two that are leading right now. So I don't, you know, people aren't people aren't doing anything about that. And my last point, and this is it, and I'll get off. I know we're pressed for time. My last point, as far as this border thing goes, you know, they're breaking the law. Vince, I can't go to your house. I can't go over to your house and. You've got better things than me, and, and better stuff, and me start taking your things, and when I'm and stealing, and when I'm asked why 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 are you doing that, I can't say, well, I just wanted a better life. I mean, no, I broke the law. You, you know, you know, I, if I'm stealing from your house or coming in your in your space or anywhere, I'm breaking the law. It, it doesn't matter if I want a better life. There's there's a there's a right way to do that. This is a serious problem, and it's just laughable. And the fact that in our country right now that that we just are not opening our eyes to, to, to this hypocrisy that's going on everywhere is, yep. is really, really scary and bad right now. It is. It is right. I very much appreciate your call. And I'll just also quickly say, you notice, and, and this is not to excuse January 6th, but you notice how ticked off they are about the Capitol being invaded? See, they view that as theirs. See, they don't care about your house. They care about theirs. News is next. And welcome to hour number two of the Mince Coakley radio program. 
Glad you are with us still to come. We've got a number of things that I hope we have time to delve into. A really cool commentary on a member of the squad. And probably an associated story. (laughs) There's a really good piece. It's a short one. Addressing the jihad capital in the United States of America. I don't think this is the first time I've heard this reference. I think it's the first mainstream media reference in this way. I've got a friend who certainly has addressed this, who's covered these issues of jihad for years and identified this particular city as a place to watch and for very good reason. We'll talk about the South Carolina primary, the one that happened over the weekend with a very predictable winner and the one that is coming up that could very well be the end of Nikki Haley's campaign. Well, it probably ought to be. (laughs) And I'll tell you about a very, very brave announcement from a CEO who says enough is enough with all of the garbage going on with academia. First, I'll tell you about the weekend. You know, I always encourage you to relax. One of the things that I have learned about myself in recent years, I came to the conclusion I am horrible at relaxing. I am. I'm always on. I was just explaining to a friend of mine this weekend how I, I'm always doing things. I take, uh, you know, and even when I'm away, I tend to continue to be tuned into news and, oh, this is a great item to share on the show or whatever. Uh, some of this, you know, I'm still working on this because I, I'd like to get better at just unplugging. But one of the things that I've found is very helpful is just getting away to break the cycle of the vortex that I get sucked into with just working all the time and and being engaged in these things. So one of the ways for me and and that I've learned in recent years is travel. It's just very helpful and, and also just good for my state of mind, especially in light of all the things and I'm not going to bore you with all the things that have happened in the last four years, uh, now going on five years. And uh, it's just been a challenging season altogether. I uh, really have come to appreciate just how therapeutic travel is for me. I think I mentioned last week I went to um, Fort Myers. That was the very first time going there. Uh, this past week on Saturday, I decided to just do a day trip and went to West Palm Beach. Left early in the morning and got there just in time to have a nice breakfast on the beach. Really nice place there with a, with a beach view. And you know one of the wonderful things about now, this time of year, it's not too hot. You know how hot Florida can be sometimes like in the... In the, the heat of summer, you've got temperatures in the 80s, and you're just sweating when you're down there. It was very pleasant in the 70s. So just shorts and T-shirt weather, uh, but it wasn't stifling at all. Just very nice, comfortable. Uh, so we had some breakfast on the beach, walked along the beach, and decided to... Uh, Just spend some time also just laying out on the beach, just taking in the sun and the waves. Uh, Seriously, it is. It's not just uh, trite to say this. It is just profoundly therapeutic to experience that. So I went to a couple of beaches in West Palm on Saturday, and I'm trying to remember what... I ended up doing for lunch. Oh, there was this really, in the same area, there's this place called Lake Worth that has a really nice beach, public beach, and some restaurants. The uh, breakfast was awesome. And then there's a place that has pizza. I, for the first time, tried their lasagna pizza. It was okay. It was not as good as 
others that I had sampled before, but it was a good place nonetheless. Oh, my gosh. Really, Chris? Chris says, call it what it is, Vince. Bikini therapy. <laughs> Chris, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, it, it's... And I enjoy being out and, and just people watching. One of my favorite things, actually, on the beach, and I'm serious about this, I love to see pets on the beach. There was this really cute three-month-old uh, Frenchie just running its little heart off on the beach and just having a good old time. There's an elderly couple I spent some time talking with briefly. They were playing catch with their dog. They would throw the ball out into the water. The dog would swim out there and ride the waves back in. It's just all a uh, just very fun and comfortable experience. You know, one of the reasons it was attractive, too, is uh, the trip there and back. There were uh, over 100 seats open, so there was not an issue of being you know, on a crowded plane, sitting in a middle seat or anything like that. It was just a very pleasant trip. And I figured, you know, I want to do this probably maybe even a couple of more weeks here into February before we get into March and spring break. Uh, no, <laughs> not interested in being in any of these places during spring break because it's going to be absolutely crazy. So um, anyway, I don't know if that may, be, may or may not be helpful for any of you and terms of uh, just doing what you can to relax and to uh, decompress and it's uh, certainly sets the stage for hopefully what will be a productive week do we still have um, we have some very patient callers on the line I think troop is on the line would like to talk you got about a minute and some change here troop good morning and welcome Hey, good morning, Vince. Enjoy your show. Enjoy WBT. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate you, you calling it like it is, red, yellow, black, and white. Uh, <clears throat> I was all jacked up after listening to that night and mellowed out a little bit. Uh, appreciate that. But I was going to vote for Ron DeSantis uh, before he got out. I mean, that was my best choice for me. Uh, and he has sent or going to send troops to the uh, border. Uh, I blame everybody in Washington. Well, what's going on? I mean, nobody's doing anything. They're letting that idiot do like he wants to. I wonder who who it was that had the hand up his up Biden's butt like a puppet, and I figure it's Obama doing that. So you still and think Nikki the Haley, Obama people are pulling the strings? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's somebody's speaking for him. Yeah, uh, he can't he can't speak for himself. Uh, Nikki Haley. Yeah. She may forget about my vote. Uh, she may well move out of South Carolina. <laughs> uh, and another thing, talking about the state capitol in Columbia, I just heard it on the news there. They're going to pass a bill to allow anybody to, to carry a gun. I mean, anybody. What are they trying to do? Uh, cut the population of South Carolina down? <laughs> They're idiots, Vince. Thank you, sir. Well, I very much appreciate your call, Troop. Uh, hey, this is what we're here for, to uh, take in perspectives from anyone, everyone. Why not? And get a sampling of where people's heads, hearts are in this particular season. Lots of crazy stuff going on out there, ladies and gentlemen. Still to come, we're going to talk about... A guy who's taking a stand against Ivy League schools, one in particular. That was, and the race that will be, it's ongoing. Let's go first to a call, in fact, on this very subject. Someone very curious about the election in South Carolina, the opportunity for them to weigh in on this. Let's talk with uh, Susan. Good morning, Susan, and welcome. Good morning, Vince. How are you? All right. 
I am a two-time Trump voter, but I want Nikki Haley to win in her home state of South Carolina, and I plan to vote for her in the South Carolina primary. Okay. I I will support Trump if he's the nominee, but I welcome Democrats and others, independents, as well as Republicans, to the open primary for South Carolina because... The general elector, uh, the general election is going to be involved with all of those people. And I frankly found her performance on Saturday Night Live funny. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And facts are the facts. There are two old men at the, you know, potentially on the ballot for president. Why is it so important for you to see a Nikki Haley win in South Carolina? I'm a native South Carolinian, and so is she, although I think many people are biased that she is the daughter of immigrants and some of her religious background, although she's now converted to Christianity, I think there is still a bias against her. She is the best woman that I have seen run for office for president in my lifetime, and that's been more than six decades. Now, why do you think Nikki Haley doesn't seem to be getting more traction than she is right now? There's a a lot arrayed against her. Obviously, both our senators, who I would say a lot of people have been against Lindsey Graham, a lot of what he's done, so don't know why they're listening to him now. There are people I respect. Uh, She's commented that she beat McMaster, uh, you know, uh, when she ran for election, so who knows what grudges. Or I think a lot of people are just... Hopeful, like Tim Scott is, that he'll be in the Trump administration and they don't want to make him mad. But that was a tipping point for me when Trump said you would be barred from MAGA if you supported Nikki Haley. I immediately donated to Nikki Haley. Just out of defiance. As a South Carolinian, we have always been independent since before the Revolutionary War. And frankly, and no offense, and hopefully the shoe doesn't fit anyone in this audience, (laughs) but there is no reason for a loud-mouthed New Yorker to insult our woman candidate here in South Carolina. Okay. I hear you. I hear what you're saying here. And um, these issues, like, for instance, immigration, that are very important to so many people, and Donald Trump certainly gets the credit for attracting so many people to come out to vote to address these issues. Do you really think Nikki Haley has what it takes to, you know, I've been, I've been talking about during the course of the show, the establishment of the Republican Party, deeply entrenched, and they've got an agenda. Do you think Nikki Haley can stand against this and get anything of substance accomplished? I think all of the politicians have flaws, but I would stack her flaws against any of the current politicians. I think she is strong. She's proving that she's strong when she has been swinging against Trump and the establishment. Everything is stacked against her. But you have to wonder why. You know, why are so many people that against her? I don't think her record speaks to um, anything other than positive changes and positive direction. I think she does it in a way that is less combative and will attract less um, defiance, (laughs) frankly, from the electorate generally. Okay. And, And that's something that's really important if you're looking to build consensus um, the the way to do that is by engaging in a way that's gracious, and uh, certainly she does that um, better than others who have been running in this particular contest. Hey, thank you very much for calling, and uh, we'll be watching to see how things turn out for for. Um, that- Go right ahead. Get out want- and vote for Nikki Haley so she can win her home state. She deserves it. Okay. Well, thanks very much for your call. Speaking of South Carolina, we've already had a primary in South Carolina. 
And not surprisingly, Joe Biden won on the Democrat side. The first official Democratic primary. Historically, Iowa and New Hampshire went first. Biden elected to have South Carolina moved to the front of the pack. And he did this because he knew this was the place that he would most assuredly win. And a lot of this depends on the vote of minorities. He needs those minority votes in order to win. This shift was not well received by New Hampshire, which held a contest anyway last month because of the DNC rules boosting South Carolina. That contest largely symbolic. Biden won as a write-in candidate by overwhelming margin there. In South Carolina, Biden cruised past his two primary opponents, Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota and self-help author Marianne Williams. Interesting piece raising this question about Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley betting big on her home state in primary fight versus Trump. Will it work? That is the question. So the Charlotte Observer has a story. South Carolina's Nikki Haley betting big on her home state in primary fight versus Trump. Will it work? She emphasized her ability to compete with President Joe Biden in a general election as she hit hard at both the incumbent Democrat and former Republican President Donald Trump during a rally in Lancaster County, speaking at Indian Land High School Friday night. Part of a campaign swing through the Palmetto State ahead of the primary on February 24th. Haley said she's the only Republican left standing with a chance to win in the general election. We can go with the same old thing or we can move forward. The same old thing is not just Joe Biden. Same old thing is Donald Trump. Are we really going to have a country in disarray while the world is on fire and choose from two 80 year olds? We need somebody who can work eight years focused discipline to get us back on track. Haley pointing to general election polls that show her faring better against Biden than Trump in November, but with her still trailing Trump by double digits in her home state, it remains to be seen whether her campaign has the endurance to get there. Part of the message, make America normal again. Much of her pitch to voters focused on her achievements as governor of South Carolina, reminding the crowd of her biography. Highlighting economic development deals closed in the state during her term. And much of her interest in improving health care for veterans stems from her experiences with her husband, Michael, who served in Afghanistan. Will these be positive selling points? Is this what South Carolina Republicans are looking for? I ask you, you live south of the border? Is she offering Something that you're interested in. How serious is this argument she makes about 80-year-olds? You know, we've seen polls time and time again showing people don't want a rematch. But guess what? This is shaping up to be another rematch. So, is she going to succeed? That is the question. On the culture front, I was very encouraged to see this story in light of the impenetrable stranglehold that these elite schools seem to have on the educational system. Business Insider reports Citadel CEO Ken Griffin is cutting off donations to Harvard. That's a big deal. This guy, you want to talk about big money, Ken Griffin is big money. Well, he's done donating to Harvard. He's accused top colleges of producing whiny snowflakes for students. <laughs> this is great. He was reported to have donated a total of more than $500 million to Harvard, Harvard as of April last year. Think about that. Half a billion dollars from one person. The Business Insider story, Claudine Gay may have resigned as president of Harvard, but the top school just lost another major donor, Ken Griffin, the founder and CEO of Citadel, one of Harvard's billionaire alumni, and says he plans to stop his sizable donations to the Ivy League school. I'm not interested in supporting the institution. 
Griffin said he was done unless the school would resume its role educating young American men and women to be leaders and problem solvers. Earlier, Griffin questioned if Harvard would get back to the roots of educating American children, young adults, to be the future leaders of our country before bemoaning what he calls a DEI agenda that seems to have no real end game. Of course it doesn't. Are we going to educate the future members of the House, the Senate, the leaders of IBM? Or are we going to educate a group of young men and women who are just caught up in rhetoric of oppressor and oppressee? Wow. This is not fair and frankly just like whiny snowflakes. Where are we going with education in elite schools in America? Great question. He's not the only billionaire to wade into the drama around the elite school after Gay refused to say what cause say that calls for genocide against Jews would be banned on campus during a congressional hearing. The hedge fund manager and Harvard alum Bill Ackman was a leader in the campaign to push Claudine Gay to resign over her testimony and over accusations of plagiarism. The Harvard Crimson reported Mark Zuckerberg, who dropped out of Harvard, had backed a former Facebook executive for a slot on the Harvard Board of Overseers. So Ken Griffin sending quite a message. They better be satisfied with that half a billion dollars that they've received in the past because no more, no more coming from him. It's wonderful to see this guy standing up as he is. I want to quickly get to this. You heard about Cori Bush now facing a Justice Department probe into her campaign spending on private security, paid her husband an additional $17,500 from her committee in recent months. New filings submitted to the Federal Election Commission show her campaign made seven additional payments for $2,500 each to her husband, Courtney Merritts, between October 1st and, Oct and December 31st. New payments maintain the steady flow of checks to her husband over the past two years, they got married last year, last February. Her office revealed they had been together before she entered office, office in 2021. Merritts initially gathered money for security services starting in January 2022, but Bush's committee switched their description to wage expenses in April 2023 as they continue to bring headaches to the campaign. Cory Bush has now paid her husband $120,000 from her campaign since early 2022. He's now collected $120,000 from Bush's campaign coffers. Politicians can pay family members from their committees as long as they provide bona fide services at fair market value. That's the significant thing. He pocketed the money as Bush's campaign simultaneously spent significantly more with St. Louis-based companies such as Peace Security for private detail. She spent over $770,000 on such services. I want you to hear a really funny commentary on this. We're going to save it for after the break. But it's from Joe Bob Talifi. It's a young man who uh, has some really funny commentaries. I strongly recommend him on social media. He's a, a person who shares a conservative viewpoint and I think you will be quite amused. One of my favorite influencers on social media, his name is Joe Bob Talifi. And he has a really cool commentary on this whole Cory Bush scandal. I mean, it really is a scandal. Um, I'm probably not going to have time to go into this story about America's jihad capital. And it's kind of interesting because there's really a companion story to it. Now that that story has been put out there about America's jihad capital, they are going to increase security because they're claiming that the attention on this, on that city, has prompted a need for security. Oh, my goodness. I mean, really. 
I mean, I just think people need to be aware. I certainly would never suggest anybody do anything stupid, like something violent. And I have serious questions as to whether that's really happened, whether there have been any threats. But we'll talk about that. Right now, I do want you to hear this really good commentary for uh, some perspective on Cori Bush and her campaign scandal with her husband, providing all this money to him for security services. Here's Joe Bob Talifi. I'm going to make sure I have security because I have too much work to do. So if I end up spending 200000 suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. BLM activist turned congresswoman, member of the squad, and huge supporter of defund the police, Cori Bush, is being investigated by the DOJ for spending campaign money on private security provided by her husband at a wildly inflated rate. Huh. People using their position of power in order to enrich themselves and their families? I have never heard of this one before. And because Cori Bush is likely saying, well, they're investigating me because I am a black woman, I'd like to point out Maxine Waters, who also is a black woman who is not being investigated despite paying her entire family handsomely through the entirety of her congressional career. The difference is congressional ethics rules say that you can pay a family member, but it has to be at fair market value. And in two years, Cori Bush's now husband made half a million dollars for his services, which seems excessive for a one-man security operation. I guess the lesson here is that when it comes to paying your family, it's okay to be corrupt, but you have to be corrupt correctly. <laughs> be corrupt correctly. That is the message. By the way, I think I saw another interesting story about Cory Bush. You know, it's kind of interesting because, and I've said to you before, never assume, never assume that when you see these crazy, nutty Democrats like Mr. Magoo, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, don't assume this represents your neighbor. And I think we're seeing evidence of this now. Now, uh, obviously, the elections have not taken place yet. Fox News has this story. Squad members Cory Bush, Jamal Bowman have been outraised by moderate Democrat challengers as primary threats mount. So the question is, can this money translate into votes this November and put these two really wacko members of Congress out? That's a question. We will see whether they are able to succeed in their missions to secure victory. I definitely wanted to mention the death of Carl Weathers before ending this broadcast today. He's probably most remembered for playing Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky films. Also appeared in Predator, The Mandalorian, Happy Gilmore, Action Jackson, Arrested Development, dozens of other films and TV shows. He passed away on Thursday, 76 years old. These statements released, he died peacefully in his sleep. Carl was an exceptional human being who lived an extraordinary life through his contributions to film, television, the arts and sports, he's left an indelible mark as recognized worldwide and across generations. A beloved brother, father, grandfather, partner, and friend. He appeared in more than 75 films and TV shows during his 50-year screen career. That's a pretty full life. That's pretty awesome. So we say goodbye to Carl Weathers and express our appreciation for his extraordinary contributions over the years. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Tommy, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Doing all right. How about you, Vince? Not bad. Not bad at all. Total of seven items, some of which I will pose to you as a question, beginning in 1783. This is kind of obscure. Sweden 
recognized U.S. independence. Not the first country I would expect to make that declaration. Well, appreciate you, Sweden. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we really appreciate that. 1917, Congress nullifies President Wilson's veto of the Immigration Act. I think this required literacy tests. 1918, here's one for you. Which country proclaimed a separation of church and state? I'll give you a hint. I think they had a revolution the year before. Uh, would that be, well, I guess technically the Soviet Union, Russia? Yes! Isn't that interesting? They proclaimed a separation of church and state. A lot of people believe that's in our Constitution. It is not, by the way. This should tell you where this emanates from, ladies and gentlemen. 1922, Reader's Digest started publishing in New York. 1937, this man, who was elected more than any other person in history, announced his court-packing plan. Democrats still love this idea. Who was this guy who was elected four times? Uh, Roosevelt? You are absolutely correct. Boom. FDR is correct. See how I hedged there? I just said Roosevelt. I heard you. <laughs> I was like, he's got it. He's got it. 1952. This was a revolutionary for its time. 1952 is when New York adopted three color traffic lights. So what? It was just like go and stop immediately? There was no warning you know, period at all? You slamming on brakes? That's it? I'm going to have to look that up, but that must have been what happened before and that yellow, of course, provides some margin of time. Although there are some people that say green means go and yellow means go faster. Yeah, exactly. I'm you sure. see that all the time. <laughs> so tips for everybody out there. You may make some people behind you upset, but when that light turns green, just uh, give yourself one extra second, one extra peek around. Because uh, I've just seen too many times where there's people who come flying through that red light and Gosh. looking for a T-bone steak, if you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. No, not at all. Last but not least, we have a song that's been redone a number of times. The original done by Don McLean in 1972. Do you happen to know what song this is? Went to American number one. American Pie, right? You are a genius. Look at me go. Listen to you. Well, Tommy... Excellent job, and that is all of our time for this broadcast. We thank you very much for joining us today. Lord willing, we're back tomorrow at the same time. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. Adios.